재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Today we have invited Robert J. Fauser, author of 미래 시민의 조건 or Conditions for Citizenship in the Future, published earlier this year. He is a former associate professor of Korean language education at Seoul National University. He is also the translator of 한국 문학의 이해 or Understanding Korean Literature by Kim Hong-gyu, published in 1997, and the co-author of Hanok, The Korean House, published last year. Thank you so much, Robert, for coming into the studio today. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. You hold a BA in Japanese language and literature and MA in applied mm-hmm. linguistics, both from the University of Michigan and a PhD in applied linguistics from Trinity College, Dublin. So where and when did your interest in language begin? That's a great question, and it's the first time anybody's ever asked me that question. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised, too. <laughs> um, basically, it's sort of a long story, but when I was a little kid, uh-huh. um, when I was playing, I liked to do different voices of the toys or whatever I played with. Oh, that's interesting. That's the, ber- the very start. I'm surprised you didn't get into musical theater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then what happened is when I was in high school, I took Spanish, uh-huh. and I enjoyed it, and I was good at Spanish, and I liked my teacher, and then after... After spending a summer in Japan in high school, I got interested in Japanese, and I took that in college. So one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. And in your recent book, you wrote that Tong was what led you to Korea in the 1980s, mm-hmm. because initially you studied Japanese language and literature, and then you right. switched to Korean. Right. So can you tell us... What, um, for our listeners, can you actually explain what Jung is and how it led you here? Right. Um, well, Jung is, uh, a lot of people talk about it, but to me at the time in the 1980s, it was a very sort of this warm, natural friendliness that I felt when I first came to Korea at the time. People mm-hmm. very considerate, very helpful. And of course, looking back, it may be because there weren't many foreigners in Korea at the time, and I was maybe different or special or whatever, but <laughs> Koreans are that way with themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very giving, very friendly, and... Um, Uh, and and th- in this visit, I'm, I'm here for three months, and on mm-hmm. this visit, I've noticed how generous Koreans are with spending time with people. Um, when I meet my Korean friends, I spend you know time, and we mm-hmm. talk, and it's very relaxing, and that kind of thing. Right. So I think that, to me, Jung is this sort of sharing, natural kindness that I feel when I deal with, when I meet Korean people. Mm-hmm. And did you have a special encounter that you would... characterize as an experience of Tong that made you switch to Korean from Japanese? Actually, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you tell uh, us about that? And people don't ask me about that either. Okay. Um, We're really I, good here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. When I first came to Korea, I, was, I, I took the boat from Shimonoseki in Japan to Busan. Uh-huh. And then I got on a train, and there was a Korean-American woman and her Korean relative And on they, the train. On the train, and they were sitting in the seat in back of me, and they kind of were looking after me and uh-huh. then making sure I was okay, and we got to talking and stuff. Uh-huh. And it turned out that the man, who was the same age as I am, um, wanted to invite me to his house to oh. stay with his family when okay. I got to Seoul. And I had uh-huh. other plans. I had the Lonely Planet book to Korea, and I was going to stay in some, you know, sort of traveler's you know, place in Gwangamun. I did not know that they made the Lonely Planet in back then, yeah, you know, in the early 80s. And so one thing led to another, and then, you know, so I ended up staying with this 
guy and his family that you met on the train that I met on the train, uh-huh. which was something I probably wouldn't do now that I'm a little older. Yes. But at the time, <laughs> it was, and the family was very generous, and uh-huh. I would eat with them. And of course, that was my first real introduction to Korean food, mm. and I, I felt it was a very kind, you know, it was very generous and very kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, you garnered attention when you bought and renovated an old Korean traditional house known as Hanok, and then you wrote a book about it. Um, Before you tell us Mm -hmm. about your own particular Hanok, can you explain the characteristics of Hanok for our listeners who may not know what that is? Okay. um, The Hanok that I that I renovated and the Hanuk that you see in Seoul are what are called city Hanuk. And they okay. are not, they're different from the big sort of estates that you would see in a con- in the countryside, mm-hmm. meaning that they're rather small, they fit on a small city lot. Mm-hmm. So that's a very important characteristic of the Hanuk in, Hanuk in Seoul is that they are small enough to fit on a city lot. Mm-hmm. And those houses were developed mostly in the late 1920s, 1930s. And they have, um, they, they fit, the, the house is around the edge of the lot and inside is a courtyard. So that's a very, you know, all of these houses have a courtyard on the inside. Mm-hmm. And that allows light in, it allows air in, um, and it's also a workspace for very important things like making kimchi in the fall, right. um, you know, the, the laundry and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's very thing. inviting and cozy it's very in the inviting, courtyard. Yeah. Right. And of course, not only Korean architecture is not unique in courtyards, mm-hmm. Italy has it, many cultures have a courtyard. Right. Um, but the courtyard, as a central part of the house is a very interesting, unique feature of Hanok in Seoul and mm-hmm. other big cities. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your Hanok? Um, the Hanok that I uh, renovated was uh, rather small. It wasn't the smallest, but it was rather mm-hmm. small. Was it a city Hanok? And it was a city Hanok. Right. And I was very interested in it because it had a southern exposure. And that's something that's very important. Right, you, right. You know, the Namhyang. The, the Namhyang, yeah. the sort yes. of southern exposure. And it allowed the sun to come into the house in the winter time. Uh-huh. So I chose the house not because of its condition, because I was planning to renovate it anyway. I chose the house because of its location. Mm-hmm. So I recommend anybody who's interested in Hanok, don't think about the condition of the house right now. Think of the location, because if you have it, if you have a northern exposure Hanok, it's very cold and gloomy. Right, right. And where was your Hanok located? It was in Chebudong, which is now, uh, you know, the neighborhood is more known mm-hmm. now as Sochan, mm-hmm. but it was the, the, the Dong name is Chebudong, which mm-hmm. is near the Kyungbuk Gung station. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the neighborhood with all the quaint little eateries. Right. There's a really famous Chun place right. in, in that yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very old neighborhood. Uh-huh. And what about Hanok did you find attractive? Well, um, I always, I mean, I, I liked old houses because I lived in old houses in Japan. Not very old houses, but mm-hmm. older. You know, I didn't live in an apartment or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, for, I, I guess the best way I can answer that question is I like a single family house. I don't like people walking mm-hmm. on top of me and, you know, hearing noises from next door and stuff like that. Right. It's not very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So, um to me, a Hanok is, you know, a single-family house. Um, that's one what I really like. The mm-hmm. other thing I like is the wood. The na- you know, it's all it's all mm-hmm. natural materials. Right. The roof tiles mm-hmm. are you know, the wood, and the wallpaper was paper, and right. the, the heated floors. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of it's a very lovely Korean texture. Feel, lovely texture, right. traditional feeling, and mm-hmm. um, it also makes you live a sitting on the floor lifestyle, right. which right, right. is actually good 
because you know you get to exercise your body getting up and off the floor. It's almost like sometimes That's like right. yoga. There's a, there's a long way to to right. the sitting down position as opposed to when you when you have a chair. Chair. Right? And so my you know my office at the university was uh-huh. a chair. Uh, outside, I would live mostly a sort of Western style lifestyle, mm-hmm. but in the Hanok, I would you know sit on the floor, and I I kind of like sitting on the floor and using the computer, and it's right. kind of a yeah <laughs> nice feeling. Well, let's talk about your recent publication, Conditions mm-hmm. for Citizenship in the Future. Mm-hmm. Can you introduce the book for our listeners? Um, yes, the book is about... Um, uh, it, it, I started writing the book because I was uh, I moved back to the United States and I was thinking about Korea um, while I was in the United States. And the mm-hmm. book is basically addressing the importance of... Um, developing a sense of citizenship in Korea, which mm. Koreans have, and uh, the act- actually the election mm-hmm. turned out to be very interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of Koreans voted and they voted for a change. Mm-hmm. So um, the the main argument of the book is that uh, citizens need to have a sense of citizenship, right. and then claim their right as a citizen, right, and, right. and participate in the democratic process, mm-hmm. take responsibility, take responsibility, mm-hmm. which uh, is actually what happened when the election. Because the you know voter turnout went up and mm. people voted for a change and right. voting for a change, I'm not talking about the contents because I'm a foreigner. I can't you know I don't want to go into the contents of that uh-huh. change, but wanting a change through an election is an and expression. Actually, acting of, on it, acting right. on it is an expression of democratic right, citizenship. Right. right. Uh, the book also has an interesting subtitle. Mm-hmm. It's a manual of democracy for Koreans. Right. Can you tell us more about that? That was uh, mainly the um, choice of the publisher because we, you know, uh-huh. I, as I learned in this process, you uh, need a subtitle. You need a subtitle, and the publisher <laughs> has its has their ideas about uh-huh. it. But basically, um, it's. The central thesis of the book is to encourage Koreans to participate in the democratic process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talk about what is democracy, and then I talk about my life in Korea, how I got to know Korea, and then I talk about various different issues about how to improve democracy in Korea. Mm-hmm. And um, the key point is, of course, as I just mentioned, participation in the process. Right. So you wrote this book in Korean, yes. which I imagine was an important decision for you. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, actually, I was approached by the publisher who, uh, through a friend, and very casually just sort of said, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll write a book, and then right. realized that I had to write this book in Korean, which I knew, but <laughs> I didn't really know that at the time when I said uh-huh. yes. Um, I didn't realize what it, it hadn't meant. It had really sunk in. Sunk in, you right. know, and so then I started writing the book in Korean, and uh, the first 20 pages were very slow. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I speak Korean, I read Korean, but writing is a whole other process. Right. You know, but even, aren't the first 20 pages slow for any writing in any language? Yeah, but a little slower for <laughs> oh, Korean. Okay. And then once I got that, um, I, I found that as once I got past the first 20 pages, mm-hmm. I found that what was going on was when I write in Korean, I focus more on the contents. Oh, okay. You know, am I expressing myself clearly? Mm-hmm. Whereas with English, I'm a little bit more worried about the style. I mm-hmm. kind of start thinking, well, maybe I'll be judged or, you know, is this good style or am I using the passive too much or uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. But with uh-huh. Korean, it was mostly focusing on are my thoughts clear enough? Right. Are you getting, are am I your, getting myself across? Yes. Your, is your message? Yeah. Right, right. So it ended up being a very content-centered writing process, which mm-hmm. I, I started to like near the end. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I thought, wow, this is cool. You know, mm-hmm. like writing in Korean is kind of fun. Right. Did you have a lot of experience writing in Korean prior to this project? Not a whole lot. Okay. Um, so this was very new for this you. This was new in uh-huh. terms of long text. I do write in Korean frequently on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote. You know, other things in Korean, but in terms of really, you know, a volume of text, this was the first time. Right. In the foreword of your book, you shared your main concerns regarding writing a book on Korea from a foreigner's perspective. Mm. So what were your concerns? Well, I guess the biggest concern, and it's still, it's always something that's very difficult, um, I don't want to, I guess the Korean word is kemongjui, which is enlightenment. Mm -hmm, Like, I didn't want to... Ha- adopt a superior stance, mm-hmm. and this was something that was. It's it's very difficult. How do you talk about Korea, right? And recommend actually that young people participate in the democratic process or become involved in politics mm-hmm. and take an interest? How do you? You're recommending something, mm-hmm. but how do you do that without, without coming off as being preachy. superior, or preachy? Right. Or, so it was striking the tone was something that was. Uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of worried about that or paid attention to it as I wrote. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to come across um, as somebody who has a long experience in Korea, who likes Korea, who's just sort of sharing thoughts over a beer or something like that, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. preachy or right. judgmental or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you wrote about your impressions of Korea in the 80s and mm-hmm. in the 2000s. Can you tell us how Korea has changed over the years? From your perspective? Um, yes. Uh, it, you know, the, the change is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things never change, so it's interesting to see the right. things that don't change. Uh-huh. Um, I think the biggest change is that Koreans in the 1980s, uh, most people didn't live in apartments. Um, the sort of community lifestyle was uh, much stronger. For example, mm-hmm. siblings shared bedrooms. Uh, housing right. was much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was... Individualism was less, right? Right. Whereas now people have their own bedroom, and you know, the, the, there's a maybe only one child in the family, and there's much more individualism. Uh-huh. Right. And right. that change is something that you know you can feel in how people interact with each other and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And the other thing, of course, is that Korea in the '80s was technically a middle developing country. I guess the word at the time was Junjinguk, mm-hmm. whereas now Korea is viewed as more of an advanced country. So the standard of living is much higher. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned Heijoseon yes. in your book, which is a really popular term. It's in a popular Korea. term. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain this term for our listeners? Yes, actually, I, I when I wrote it, I almost took it out, and I, but I just had to oh, leave it okay. because it was timely. And you know, when you write uh-huh. something, you need to be timely. Right, right. Um, but Helchoson is basically this idea that you know the system is stacked against you; mm. that there's nothing that you can do to get ahead or to carve out a position in life mm-hmm. because the system is stacked against you. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that's going on in the United States right now. That. F- that, that's driving the Bernie Sanders campaign, mm, which, right, right. in full disclosure, I support and I participated in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this idea that so- the system isn't fair, right? And that seems to be what's driving the you know mm-hmm. idea behind Helchoson. So, why do you think that this idea is hitting the younger people especially hard? Um, I think. Basically, it's rooted in this sort of 
in Korean, it's called yanggukwa, which is the idea that some people are getting ahead and some people are mm-hmm. falling behind. Mm-hmm. And the number of people getting ahead is smaller than the number of people who are falling behind. Right. Which say, in the United States, of course, now it's a big topic in politics, the decline of the middle class. Mm-hmm. Korea, that's less of a topic, but it's a similar thing where in order to get ahead, you have to possess a certain amount of spec, right. as it's called in Korean. Mm-hmm. And to get the spec, you have to spend money. Right. You have to go to the right school. Or you have mm-hmm. to get this. You know, you have to invest a lot in yourself to right. get the necessary specs mm-hmm. to compete. And if you fail, you're going to fall behind. Right. So this and of is, course, in order to go to the right school, someone has to have the capital, have the capital to invest right. in you. Exactly. Right. So it's very different from say you know the, the how korea was in the 1980s mm-hmm. where it was you would when i you know i i met i had friends who were my age mm-hmm. who grew up on a farm or you know they grew up in a and they their their parents moved to seoul and you know they they had this very rural background but they mm-hmm. were going to a good university and then right. they would get a good job and mm-hmm. establish themselves in the middle class of a right. rising and, and korea you, and you mentioned this in in your book, the concept of the dragon rising out right. of the the kitchen, right. the, the yeah. brook, right, right, right the right. dragon rising out of a, uh, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. So that was a common thing. I right. mean, I would meet people who were going to good universities, and mm-hmm. you know, they would tell me they didn't have electricity in their village until twelve years old, right? And you know, so those people later on graduated and maybe became government officers or worked mm-hmm. for, you know, um, a large company, mm-hmm. but. That's very difficult today. Right, right. At least the impression, probably I would believe it's, you know, I think it's difficult, but Mm -hmm. the impression that young people have is that you have to have all these (laughs) Mm -hmm. accomplishments which take money and, Uh yeah. So that's what's, I think, driving the issue. But it's also in the United States and it might Mm -hmm. be in other countries as well. Right. There's a Plato quote on your book jacket Mm -hmm. that goes, the price good men pay for indifference to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. Yes. Was this um, your choice? No, that was the publisher. (laughs) Yeah, um, that was the publisher, Uh you know, kind of pulling the essence of the uh, the idea that if you don't participate Mm -hmm. in the political process or if you don't act as a citizen, mm-hmm. you're going to be ruled. Right, um, right. And it's basically the same thing that Jimmy Carter said in 1976, mm-hmm. you know, that, you, you know, you, you get the government that you deserve. Or right, you, right. Yeah. That <laughs> Do you kind think of um, this contribute, this indifference to public affairs contributed to the making of Heljo-san? Um, I think that's part of it, but I also just think this... I I didn't really talk about it in the book um, because I didn't have time and it was sort of a, you know, it wasn't something that was easy to discuss. But I think a lot of it is actually IT, mm, the okay. rise of IT, meaning that, um, you know, we... Our our humanity, our our accomplishments, our human being, mm-hmm. <laughs> our humanness can be now quantified, right, and therefore measured, mm-hmm. and therefore compared. Mm. Um, whereas, can you give us examples of how um, our humanity is quantified? And well, say in academic fields, mm-hmm. your the number of papers that a professor writes can be quantified, but not just that. It's not just the number; it's 
the citations, how and where the journals right, are, right, and you can right. make an index of mm-hmm. who's an important professor and who's right. not. Whereas those kind of things couldn't, you know, were not possible before IT. That's mm-hmm. just in the academic field, mm-hmm. but in other fields, you can, you know, make all kinds of indices. Mm-hmm. Korea has lots of tests, right? Lots of tests in Korean society, so it's right. easy to make an index of who is an accomplished person or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so strangely, that I think not part, the lack of participation is not as much of a problem as this, you know, the spread of IT. Mm. And Korea adopted IT very quickly. Right, right. And there's nothing we can do about it. IT is going to happen. Uh-huh. So you know, I can't. I'm not trying to say let's go back to the days before the internet. Uh-huh. But um, the rotary phones. We can't do that. No. But uh, the point is, now that our accomplishments are. Humanness can be quantified. How mm-hmm. do we, as a society, deal with that issue? Mm-hmm. So, what are the conditions for citizenship that you talk about in the book? Um, again, the the main point is the the, the conditions are uh, th- that's sort of a Korean term, jokon conditions, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different from conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the uh, it, it's the same uh, point as that I've been making about. You know, participation, right? And that the owner of the country is the citizen, not mm-hmm. the government. Mm-hmm. And you know, this idea that the citizens have the right to choose the government, and the government is accountable to the citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, if you don't like the government, you should change it. Right. And if right. you like it, you should stick with it. That's that's another issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of ownership of the country in the hands of the citizens—that's. You know, older Koreans may not have that idea. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I think a lot of Koreans do, actually. Mm-hmm. Korea is a very vibrant democracy in many ways. Uh, a lot of people criticize Korea, you know, recent affairs as Korea being not democratic or whatever. But actually, Korea is a thriving democracy, as mm-hmm. yesterday's election results right, showed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not all Koreans, but I think more of an idea of you know, the citizens own the country, mm-hmm. that will help keep politicians more accountable. Right. Let's go back to what mm-hmm. you said earlier about uh, Helmigok. Yes. <laughs> so how is that playing out in the, in the upcoming um, presidential election campaigning? Yeah, in it's, it's interesting. Helmigok is a word I made up in the book. Okay. I, nobody in, the, in America is saying Hell USA or anything. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> uh, but I was, you know, made it up because of Hell Choson. Right. Um, I think what's going on is that the, the stress about the, the, the sort of decline of the middle class mm-hmm. and even those who are in the middle class fearing that they're you know, not going to keep that status or that things are stacked against them uh, is driving the Bernie Sanders campaign on the Democratic side mm. and on the Republican side it's driving the Donald Trump campaign. Right. But if you add those two together, it's quite uh-huh. a large number of people. Right, Trump right. is leading in the Republican race. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is doing very, very, very well in the Democratic race. Mm-hmm. So you have a situation where there are a lot of angry Americans. Right. Um, and in my hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan, it was very interesting the night of the Michigan primary. Uh-huh. Um, and I looked at the Democratic results carefully. And it was the areas that are slightly wealthier and slightly older voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh-huh. The areas where students live or that are more middle class or not as wealthy voted for Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So you, it, 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 Hillary Clinton and perhaps the non-Trump Republican candidates are more the establishment. Right, and right. people who want change are voting for 
uh, Bernie Sanders and Trump. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the needs are the same and yet yes. they're polarized. They're polarized and they're very different. Uh-huh. And I don't think any they're Bernie extremely they're different. extremely different. Yes. And I don't I don't know any Bernie Sanders supporters who are going to vote for Trump uh-huh. or the other otherwise the you know the other way but there's this common thread of the establishment is against us. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, see how that happens. plays out. Right? Yeah. Well, I understand another book of essays on your life here in Korea will be published as well. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, that book's title is Sochon Holik. Mm-hmm. That's the Korean pronunciation, or in English, it'd mm-hmm. be the Sochon Holik. Mm-hmm. And it's a book of much lighter essays, uh, some about my life, mm. uh, some things about Japan, a few things about my... Ex- in, in Japan, I taught Korean for three years. Mm-hmm. So that was a very interesting experience. So there's an essay on that. And actually, the first Hanok I ever lived in was 1988 to mm-hmm. 1989. I lived in a Hanok in Hewadong, which is mm-hmm. near Taeyangno. Right. And that was a classic Hanok, you know, no shower and had to squat and use the toilet. And, you know, uh-huh. very old-fashioned house, but I have pictures from then, and so there's an essay on that house, uh-huh. and sort of diverse topics. Right, right. I am very much looking forward to to Sochanholik. And the other interesting thing about Sochanholik is the editor edited it more. Mm-hmm. So the this the, the first book, the editor didn't edit that much. Okay. So are you relieved? Or and you? I'm I I was sort of. It, yeah, it, okay. it, the editor just decided to try to keep my voice. Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, is mm-hmm. my, you know, do it, is it reverse Konglish? Is the mm-hmm. Konglish too bad? You know, that was right, what right. I was kind of thinking. Uh-huh. And they they edited it to make it readable. Okay. Um, the second book was edited more, mm-hmm. it, a little bit more Koreanized. Oh, okay. And I'm interesting. It'll be interesting okay. to see the reaction. Okay. Yeah, I want to compare that. Oh well, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for coming in today, and best of luck. Thank you for having me. It was a good time. As for our listeners, please stay tuned for an interview with writer and translator Chong Hyun.